0: Well, let us pray. Dear God, we would hardly know you if you did not choose to reveal yourself to us. Thank you for your word, your word written, and thank you for coming to us as the living word in Jesus Christ, who is the way and the truth and the life. Lord help us to be all ears as we listen to Your Word, and I pray that You would somehow use the broken words of this preacher to speak to the hearts of Your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we began our study of Daniel, and uh, if you remember, if you were here last week, Daniel and a few of his Israelite friends of noble birth were carried off into exile by the Babylonian army. A gifted young man with promise, he came to the attention of King Nebuchadnezzar himself, who enrolled Daniel in a training program for public service. And uh, so Daniel set himself to learning the Babylonian language and its customs and its laws. And uh, he did so all the while maintaining the integrity of his faith without compromising his moral values. He rose in the ranks of the king's servants, and he became quite known for his wisdom and understanding, which were all, in the end, all gifts from God. We meet Daniel again in the second chapter, but not before King Nebuchadnezzar, has a very troubling dream. Now, in ancient times, it was not uncommon for a ruler to attach great uh, importance to a dream and its mysterious content. And invariably, uh, amongst all the servants of the royal court, there would be a group of servants who served as spiritual advisors to the king. Astrologers, uh, magicians, people who were unusually wise, who could then interpret the dream. This was their primary task. Well, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and so he summoned his spiritual advisors looking for an interpretation. So, the story begins at Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, and it's interesting to note that from the fourth verse of the second chapter all the way through uh, chapter 7, Daniel is written, the book is written in Aramaic. Now you remember there are, there are two main languages uh, in the Bible, Hebrew of the Old Testament and Koine Greek in the New, but there's also a section which was written in Aramaic, um, part of Daniel, which is the language that Jesus spoke, and it was the common international language of that time. That's just a point of interest. But the story begins. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. And when they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. And then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there's only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. Well, astrologers, answered the king, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans, And this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So, the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Nice guy, huh? Nebuchadnezzar was one powerful man. I mean, he was ruling over uh, the kingdom of Babylon from 605 to 562 B.C. Fabulously wealthy, he was the one who constructed the famous Hanging Gardens of Babylon, which is considered to be one of the seven great wonders of the ancient world. Secular historians paint Nebuchadnezzar to be ruthless, (laughs) brutal, a despot. A modern-day successor to Nebuchadnezzar was not unlike him in sheer ruthlessness and brutality. You know him, Saddam Hussein by name. In fact, he saw himself as the very reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar. The ruins of ancient Babylon are in present-day Iraq, and Saddam sought to revive the glory of the Babylonian Empire by building on top of its ancient ruins. And so he installed a portrait of himself and Nebuchadnezzar at the entrance to the ancient site. And he inscribed his name on many of the bricks. One frequent inscription reads, this was built by Saddam Hussein, son of Nebuchadnezzar, to glorify Iraq. Of course, we all know what happened to Saddam. Nebuchadnezzar feared no one and no thing unless it was a fearsome dream that kept him up at night. And that is indeed what happened. I mean, a, a nightmare left him feeling terribly insecure. Anxious and restless, he summoned all his advisors for an interpretation. But when his advisors asked for the, to tell, him, tell them the dream... Apparently, he was so befuddled and so overwhelmed by the dream, he couldn't actually remember all the particulars. <laughs> so he asked him not only to give the interpretation, but to tell him the dream. Or maybe Nebuchadnezzar was just testing his interpreter, the interpreters. I don't know. But here were the, uh, those poor spiritual advisors shaking in their boots. And they told the king as tactfully as possible that there was no way they could do that. Only the gods could do that, and they don't live with human beings. Well, that is not what the king wanted to hear, as we have found out. He flew into a rage, and he ordered them all to be executed and sent after Daniel and his friends because they were all part of the the troop of wise men surrounding the royal court. Well, what we have here is a very sorry picture. Here was Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful king on earth, a man who ought to have been on top of the world, totally losing it, Because of this dream of his, he was a man who virtually had everything this world could dream of, power and fame and wealth and influence, and yet he completely lost his confidence and had no peace. He was fundamentally an insecure man. And you know, sometimes, you know, you can read it, those who have the most, uh, uh, you know, who are the most out there showing off. Uh, people who have the most bravado, you know, who are out there are actually people who are very insecure, and they need the acclamation of everybody constantly, kind of like Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, many folks are not unlike King Nebuchadnezzar. They are their own king or queen in their own realm. They put their trust in their wealth or bank uh, bank account. They put their trust in worldly wisdom and in their own abilities to succeed in life, But when they find themselves in a situation or crisis too big for them to handle, well, then they tend to fall apart. They're used to being in control, but all of a sudden they're not in control. They become anxious and restless. They take their problems to bed with them, and they cannot sleep. They completely lose their confidence. Nebuchadnezzar was not only an insecure man, But he was a hostile man. He was given to fits of anger. He was frustrated, frustrated at his own lack of inner peace and contentment. And so, he took it out on his own advisors calling for their heads. And so, it is into this dicey situation that Daniel stepped in whose head was on the line. And so, we continue to read. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, "'Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His.' He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. And then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. And Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. Now, if Nebuchadnezzar was a man who was restless and insecure and knew no peace, Daniel was just the opposite. In fact, he was a man who was absolutely confident. He was not self confident, he was confident in God. And so, with amazing calm, with great composure, he questioned the harshness of the king's decree, and he even dared to go before the king himself asking for more time that he might interpret his dream. So, you have the feeling, as as Daniel was stepping into the situation, that it was Daniel who was in complete control of the situation. And it's amazing that he would have such confidence to speak so tactfully to the king's uh, guard and that he would dare to enter into the king's presence when the king was in such a foul mood. But Daniel, ever the man of courage... Possessed inner peace even in the midst of the crisis. And how could he do that? Because he knew God. He knew God, he knew God's wisdom and he displayed it in his words and actions. He showed wisdom in taking charge of the situation. He was wise in the way that he spoke to the captain of the king's guard and in the way that he spoke to the king. He had a strategy and a plan. Wisdom is the fruit of walking with God day by day, following his word. And he would walk with God so much that Daniel instinctively knew what to do when he faced this crisis, found himself in the middle of it. And it would have been so easy for anyone to panic or to make the wrong move. But Daniel knew wisdom. He knew God's wisdom. Daniel also knew that God hears and answers prayer. So, after Daniel approached the king asking for more time so that he might interpret the uh, the dream, he went to his three Israelite friends, and together they prayed. They prayed. They prayed that the the dream would be revealed and that all of them would escape the sword of, of the executioner. Prayer for Daniel was not an afterthought. It wasn't like a Hail Mary in a time of emergency. It was not only for a crisis, but it was part of the fabric of his life. And Daniel was so confident in this tense situation because he knew that God answered prayer and that God would answer his prayer. He knew God's wisdom, he knew God answered prayer, and he knew that the God he worshiped and adored was the God who was ultimately in control of this world. His God was the God of history, the God of the nations, the God of his fathers and mothers, the God who was working out his purposes for good. So he prayed, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and disposes them. And because he knew that God was sovereign and in control, because he knew his life was in God's hands, Daniel stood courageously before the king to offer his interpretation. Can you imagine standing there before that crazy, cranky king with his life on the line, giving him an answer, an interpretation that he knew the king would not be crazy about? The dream was not exactly favorable to Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, it was a direct threat to his kingship and to his realm. And the dream and the interpretation are given in verses 22 to 43 of chapter 2. We won't read it now, but in summary, Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream a huge statue with a head of gold, chests and arms of silver, a belly and thighs of bronze, and feet of iron and clay. A rock cut out, but not made with human hands, struck the clay feet of the statue and blew it to smithereens." That was the dream. Daniel, in interpreting the dream, told Nebuchadnezzar that his kingdom is not going to last. In fact, his kingdom was to be succeeded by three other kingdoms. But then a little stone uncut by human hands was going to bring it all crashing to the ground. That stone uncut by human hands was God Himself who will destroy the kingdoms of this world. And so we read in Daniel, beginning at verse 44, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever." This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Well, uh, no, that wasn't what King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to hear. It threatened him to the core because he was all about being the king of the universe, the king of his own universe. By golly, everybody would bow down. But now his kingdom would come crashing down, blown up to smithereens. But rather than become angry or hostile as we might have expected, the king actually shows favor to Daniel. the story takes a surprising turn. And so we read, "...then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery." Then the king placed Daniel in a high position, lavished many gifts on him, made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon, and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Wow, who would have thought it? Maybe God was involved in all this somehow. Nebuchadnezzar did not become a believer, but he was so impressed by Daniel's boldness and courage and wisdom that he made Daniel his senior advisor. Now, the contrast between Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel is striking because what we have here are two very different approaches to living. There are some folks who are like Nebuchadnezzar. They are always restless and anxious and insecure, always needing to be in control, yet yet never feeling like they are in control a lot of the time. They lack peace, no confidence in living. They seem to live in a constant state of turmoil They put themselves at the center of the universe, and they're dismayed when that universe seems to be fraying at the edges or indeed is falling apart. Nebuchadnezzar didn't know peace because he didn't know God. And then there are folks like Daniel, calm, composed, confident, always at peace in spite of the crisis at hand. They know the peace that Jesus talked about. Peace I live, leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. Would that you and I would all have that sense of peace, the sense of serenity in the midst of turmoil and change. So, what is the secret to living more courageously and more confidently? I think of the words of St. Augustine God has made us for himself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in him. No God, no peace. No God, no peace. Kind of cute, huh? (laughs) You've seen it. Those who know God, like Daniel, are at peace because they know true wisdom. They know that God hears their prayers and answers them. And in their worship, they acknowledge God to be the true king, the true sovereign of the world, whose kingdom will ultimately prevail and will have no end. To use Paul's words, if God is for us, then who can be against us, right? Love the words of the psalmist. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. People like Daniel can sleep at night for they give themselves over to the one who never sleeps the one who is ultimately in control, not only of the whole world, but of their own personal world. They trust Him. When they feel overwhelmed with problems and concerns and the daily pressures of life, they turn to God, and they believe that God can get them through, can help them handle it. They entrust themselves to God's care. So, like Daniel, who is a great example for us, his life really is instructive for us, in faith let's put our lives into the hands of God. Let us find our confidence in Him. Let us live more boldly and more courageously. We may not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. May the peace of God guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Such peace is more valuable than all the gold of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, uh, life can be scary sometimes. Life can lead to a life full of anxiety and stress and torment, feeling of insecurity, feeling helpless. But Lord, help us to turn to You like Daniel, to find our strength in You. Lord, give us confidence, confidence in Your ability to see us through even the most stressful situations, even in the storms of life. Lord, be our rock. Be our anchor. Lord, we would be unshaken, even though the kingdom around seems to tremble. Thank you, Lord, for being our peace. Indeed, may your peace guard our hearts. We pray this in the name of the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For thine is the kingdom. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, worthy of our ultimate trust. Amen.